Tonight is anniversary night. The format of tonight's meeting will be a main speaker who will speak for 25 minutes, followed by our information break and the anniversary celebrants. Our main speaker tonight is Nejla. Hi, my name is Nejla and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, preacher, thank you for asking me to speak. Um, it's always an honor to speak at an AA meeting. Um, so, uh, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I guess I'll start with my sobriety date is January 1st, 2009, so I just celebrated 14 years. Thank you. Um, I was doing the math and I realized that I have been sober exactly double the amount of time that I drank. I drank from the age of 16 to the age of 23. Um, so I was born and raised in, well, I was born in New York, raised in Westchester. Uh, I came from um, a very alcoholic home. It was a good home. Um, my parents loved me, but my father was a raging alcoholic. And from a young age, my mom, who was the Al-Anon in the family, was like, you're going to be an alcoholic when you grow up. And I was like, I am not going to be an alcoholic when I grow up. And um, I kind of went about my childhood. And, and looking back, I realized that I definitely had alcoholic tendencies growing up. Like, I always I wanted to be alone, you know, a lot of like living in fantasy land. Um, but I didn't really hit my stride until I was in my teens. Um, I always felt like I was different from everybody else, like I never fit in. Um, and when I discovered alcohol, it was like, oh, okay, well, none of that matters anymore because I can just do this and this makes me into somebody. Um, so it's, it's, you know, my drinking story is really, it's, it's honestly not that interesting. Like, my life was, I drank, I got drunk every single time, I blacked out every single time, I did things that I was embarrassed by, my life was completely unmanageable, and as soon as I took that first drink, anything was possible. Um, and by anything is possible, I mean jails, institutions, hospitals, death. Um, and I definitely, you know, I never ended up in jail, um, but I ended up in the hospital. I'll share one specific drinking story, and then I feel like I'd like to move on since... I'm now sober, double the time that I drank. Um, and my, my like, sober story, I think, is so much more interesting than my alcohol story. So when I was in college, I was a freshman in college. <clears throat> it was like our first week or so there. I took 21 shots of vodka chasing with screwdrivers. And in a blackout, I fell over and knocked myself unconscious. And um, I don't have any recollection of this. I woke up the next morning, and I had, there was blood everywhere. I'm grateful that I even woke up. And I went to the hospital, and they're like, you have a concussion. And, you know, you should have gotten stitches. Why didn't you come in last night? And I was like, I have no idea. And so at that point, I was like, I went online. And at the time, you could go to the AA website, because in my head, I had my mom's voice. You're going to be an alcoholic when you grow up, just like your dad. And um, I found the, the 12 questions that they had. And I was so excited, because it was the first time in college that I got almost 100 on a test. <laughs> So I printed it out like any other good normal freshman of college, and I hung it on my dorm wall like with pride, and um, I said, okay, I'm not going to drink for a month. Now, 
I don't know any normal 18-year-old that says I'm not going to drink for a month. And I went about my life. I went to class. I was on time, which was also the first time that had happened. Um, and about five days in, my friends were like, okay, we're going to this frat party. You want to go to the frat party? And I was like, of course I want to go to the frat party. What am I going to do? Sit at home, twiddle my thumbs. So I went to the party, and um, someone was like, do you want a beer? And I was like, yeah, of course I want a beer. Like, and it was like th there was no hesitation, no question, no thought, no anything. And I was drunk again. And that was, the, that was probably the longest amount of time I had ever attempted to stay sober until January 1st of 2009. <clears throat> um, so fast forward, I was in school in Boston, just basically drunk the whole time. Um, I came to New York, and um, I, New York kind of brought me to my knees pretty quickly. Uh, I ended up getting sober within a year. But So I, I definitely believe that I come from a family of alcoholism. My cousin uh, got sober at the age of 16, and I was living with him, an active alcoholic who was living with a sober alcoholic. Who had, he had been sober for like 12 years at the time. I have no idea how he put up with me. Um, and I remember just like looking at him, and, and he was like my version of the walking big book, basically. He was so freaking cool. Like he was the coolest guy I knew. He dated a model. He was a photographer. You know, he had this apartment in Greenpoint, and this was this was now like 15 years ago, so it was before what Greenpoint is today. Um, <laughs> and and he let me live like I was paying rent, but like you know, I moved in there, and he just like he had this like rotation of like cool people who were all sober and I was like what are these people they're so glowy and like cool like I want to be like that like I was I felt like such a loser all the time um, and then he eventually moved out <laughs> it didn't take him very long um, and I just I was kind of like living my life like it was just the same thing over and over and over again and one day I went out, I think it was a Friday, and I came to on Sunday, and I found my way home, and I was trying to look in the mirror, and I couldn't. Like, I just, I could not, I was, I was 23. I could not look myself in the, in the eyes. I, like, couldn't focus, but I also just, like, didn't, there was nothing there. It was just completely empty, and that was like kind of my moment of surrender. I called my mom, of course, because she's, you know, her voice in my head was like, you're gonna be an alcoholic. And I was like, mom, I think I'm an alcoholic. And she was like, oh, thank God, I knew it. <laughs> she's like, I'll pick you up after work. Don't worry about it. I'll take you to your first meeting. And I was like, oh my God, what did I do? Why did I do that? And I like hung up the phone. And I definitely, like, by the end of the day, I was trying to get out of it. And she picked me up, and she was so excited. And she was like, drove me to this random place in Queens. And I was like, I can't believe I'm here. This is so weird. You guys are weird. It was a small meeting. Nobody looked like me. Everybody was older than me. I was like, I don't know why I'm here. And, um, like, judging everybody, trying to figure out why I, like, wasn't... Um, Oh, sorry, speaking to the mic. Okay. I was trying to figure out, like, I was just trying to disqualify myself from being there. Like, anything. I was looking for absolutely anything. And the person who spoke, I, I don't remember what they looked like. I just remember it was a woman. And she said, she spoke about the language of loneliness of an alcoholic. And for whatever reason, that hit me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I'm, I have nothing. Like, I have no, I have, I have nothing. I'm lonely. And... For whatever reason, that stuck with me, and I started, I started going to AA meetings. 
Um, I realized now that I detoxed on my own in the rooms. You know, there were a lot of various forms of alcohol that had come into my life at that time. Um, and so I kind of went cold turkey on all of them and got very, very sick. Um, and, you know, I don't know, I honestly don't know how I did it, but I did. <laughs> and I started, I was working in actually not far from here at the time, and I was going to lunchtime midtown finance meetings. I worked in finance at the time. And I was like, again, I was picking these meetings, and I'm looking, and I'm like, God, everyone is so old. They're so old. They're like men in suits. Like, I do not identify with any of this. And my cousin, who was, you know, 15 years or whatever, sober, he goes, why don't you go to Never Had a Legal Drink? And I was like, oh, the kids' table? Like, I don't want to go to the kids' table either. Like, isn't there something in between? Like, I've had plenty of legal drinks. Like, I'm 23. I can do this. And, like, so I... <laughs> So I started going to Never Had a Legal Drink, which was in Chelsea at 7 p.m. on Thursdays. I'm pretty sure it's still down there. Um, and, and I walked in and I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is actually where I belong. And I was like, 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 I needed that. I needed to be in a room with other people who were, who were young-ish. Young. I'm not young anymore, but I was young then. Um, <laughs> and... You know, they, they, look, they looked like my cousin. They were all cool. Like, they all knew each other. And they were, like, outside smoking. And, like, they were, like, doing the, the, you know, whatever. They're talking about the icky paws and the, like, service. And I was, like, I was, like, okay, I, I want this. And, like, I found, like, I look, and someone, you know, I heard in the meeting, like, get, get a sponsor who has what you want. And I was, like, oh, well, that girl over there looks awesome. She's got a hot boyfriend. <laughs> Um, she knows everybody, like, I want that. So I asked her to be my sponsor. And she said yes. And she really helped me in the beginning. It was like, you need to get a service commitment. She made me become a greeter in that meeting. And that was like where I, um, that's how I met people. Like, I just stood out front and I was like, hi, hi, how are you? And it was like, I realized that like, I like people. Like I was like, it was like a good way for me to meet, and I got really involved in service. And she kind of really hounded that into me. Um, Where we disconnected at some point over the years. Thank you. Um, and we've recently reconnected. Um, she's still sober. I'm still sober. I have kids. She has kids. It's it's a whole thing. Um, and so anyway, so kind of fast forward. I was like counting days, doing service. And it was November, I, got, I came in, it was like uh, November of 2008. And, um, you know, December 31st was coming up and my sponsor was like, okay, you should go to the Soho Sober Dance. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna go to this open bar thing with my other friends. I'm not gonna drink, don't worry. You don't have to worry. I'm definitely not gonna drink. Um, and uh, that's, that's what I'm gonna do. And I'll call you when I get home. And so I went to that thing and of course, like, I had nothing to defend me from the first strike. Like, I had absolutely nothing. And I actually, at that point, I had every intention of drinking. And so I went to that open bar thing. I, of course, drank. Um, I drunk called my little sister. So I have two siblings. Um, my sister's two years younger than me. My brother's five years younger than me. He just celebrated, I think, eight years sober. Um, my mom also at that point had gotten sober about a month after I had started coming in so she just celebrated 14 years in December um, so it's you know kind of all in the all in the family for me um, and so I drunk called my sister and the next day I called my sponsor and she was like so did you drink and I was like absolutely not 
I did not drink. And um, I lied about that relapse for almost five years because I was so ashamed. I was like, oh my god, people are going to be like, wow, liar. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, yes. And um, I like my ego like wouldn't let me let it let my mom have more sober time than me. <laughs> um, and you know, I I I held on to it, and I was incapable of being honest. Um, and I I didn't drink over that lie, thankfully. Um, I did manage to find tons and tons of other ways to act out around it. And what happened is I never. I never, like, I, I started doing the, uh, I think what it's called is the one, two, three step, yeah? And then I get to four, and then I'm like, ah, I need a new sponsor. Um, and so on top of the lying, I never fully went through all of the steps. So I was going to meetings regularly, almost daily, doing service. I had an abundant fellowship, and, um, but I wasn't doing the work, you know, the stuff work. I didn't have a God in my life. Like, I didn't, I was lying, you know? Every year I would celebrate my anniversary, November 24, 2008, and every year my sister would call me and she would say, I know. <laughs> I know the truth. And I'm like, you don't know, you don't know anything. <laughs> um, so, so at just, just before I celebrated my fake five years, <laughs> I, um, and like, and we're talking now at this point, 14 years, like we're talking about two, two months, right? And it's, it's like, n nobody would know that if I didn't say it as part of my story. And that's not, so it doesn't really matter, that's not the point, right? The point is that I was not, like I said, not doing the work, I'm not, I wasn't being honest. Um, <clears throat> so at five years, when I, when I got to, just before I celebrated five years sober, I found myself in a mental institution. Um, I, I was acting out in other ways. I was trying to starve myself to death. And um, I was in Pennsylvania. And I remember I, my fake five years, I looked up and I was like in this rehab, basically. And I was like, I'm supposed to be five years sober. How, why am I here? Like, I was like so mad at God, but it was like, I didn't really have a God. Like, I wasn't trusting at all. Um, and that's, that's right where my life, like, thank God took a huge turning point because at that point, um, you know, when I got out of that rehab in Pennsylvania with the deer and came back to the city, um, like I, I was on a short-term disability for my job and all I did was go to meetings and um, that's when I met my current sponsor and um, this time when I asked this person to be my sponsor um, and I was looking for something that she had that I wanted. Um, she is beautiful, so that helps definitely. But more than that, um, she just had that she was sitting in this meeting. I will never forget it. We were sitting in a meeting. It was a Saturday morning women's meeting in the East Village, and she was wearing white and she had bleach blonde hair and huge gold earrings. I work in fashion, so like that's my that's my thing. Um, and she just like radiated this like serenity and calm and like recovery. Thank you. And I was like, that's what I want. I want that. And so I asked her to take me through the steps. And she was like, yes, I will, I will take you through the steps. And um, so she, she, she took me through the steps. And um, I showed up at her apartment in Brooklyn. It would take me like 45 minutes. 
every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Like I lived in the Lower East Side and I would go, and for me it's like to whatever lengths, right? <laughs> um, and I would show up there on time, which was also a rarity. Um, and I would and I would do the step work with her, and my life started to change, and it changed very, very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, from there, like I, I left. I had been in finance, and then I was doing something else. I at three years, at two years sober, I decided that I got sober to go places with no program and no God. And so I moved to Turkey. I'm half Turkish. I speak the language. I was like, this will be fine. Um, and it was probably the second most, third most miserable I've ever been in my life. Um, the first being spending five years in rehab, and then, actually it was probably the second, because then the third would have been when I, first, when I got sober, because I was more miserable, I was dry, like I had nothing, I had nothing to give anybody. So what I did was I got engaged um, <laughs> to a Turkish man. And um, anyway, so <laughs> that's just a little fun side of that story. Um, but <laughs> And my mom like came and was like, you can't marry this person. I don't know what you're doing. Like, come back to New York. Why don't you go to meetings? Like, luckily, like I had that influence in my life. And she was like, and I was like, okay. And so I'd, I had come back and I was like going to NYU for a while. And I was going there like every single day. And I decided not to move back. And luckily never didn't marry that person. Thank you. Um, because then I wouldn't have married my current husband. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so I... I, I worked the steps with my sponsor, and um, I, like, my life got, like, it's turned into something completely different. You know, when I, when I hear, when I would hear, like, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams, I've been like, yeah, okay, whatever. And that, but, like, the reason why I have a life beyond my wildest dreams is because I didn't, I couldn't dream that big. You know, like, my dream in my 20s was to, like, hopefully not die before I'm 30 and, like, party a la Lindsay Lohan and Bungalow Aid and, you know, whatever. Like, that's all I really wanted to do. And, like, you know, if you told me that I was, like, going to wake up in the morning and, like, wake up in my bed that I had gone to sleep in by myself the night before and know exactly what had happened and, like, not completely hate myself and, like, also you know, want to pray and meditate and, like, go to meetings and be of service to others, I've been like, no, I, don't, I'm, I actually don't want that. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, um, I ended up not going after my short-term medical leave. Sorry, I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place. But after the short-term medical leave and, and, you know, meeting my sponsor, I decided not to go back to my corporate job. And I started my own business. And I still have that business uh, today. Um, you know, pandemic and kids kind of threw things off a little bit, but for the most part, I still have that business today. And um, where do I want to go with that? I don't know where I want to go with that. That also, to me, is sort of a gift of the program, right? Like, in, in doing the recovery work and, like, letting go of, like, well, the lies for sure, but, like, the things that are not really me, like, I was able to come back and, like, find my authentic self. And through finding my authentic self, I like was able to, to like build this business that really is kind of an extension of that. And then, um, you know, I was still very involved in service. Um, you know, my first sponsor like really hounded that into me. I think all of my sponsors, like I definitely, I had a lot of them. Um, I have the same sponsor today that I did 
um, at five years. And, um, but I learned something from, from all of them. And so uh, I still use those things in my recovery. So I was very involved in service. And um, one of the things that I was super involved in was, was Kresge. And I don't know if anyone here has ever been to the Not a Glumlot Camp Kresge trips. Yep, if you haven't, you should go. Um, not saying that this is going to happen to you, but this is what happened to me. I um, was in, involved in service there, and, and there was a guy. And um, he, <laughs> when I was first doing the service there, I was like, you know, he was friends with my brother, and I was like, you know, we should, we should date. And thank you. <laughs> And uh, he was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I was like in you know, rehab, like I hadn't worked the steps, I had no God, I had no recovery, and I was like, but excuse me, like I'm good looking. <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm okay, thank you. And, um, and so he turned me down, and I was so offended, like I could not believe it. And um, you know, a, a year later, after I had done the step work and, and you know, became more involved and in actually participating in my program, um, he made an immense and he was like, I'm really sorry that I, that, I didn't, that I didn't ask you out. And I was like, no, you really did me a favor. Like, I was not ready to be, this was, I was not ready for this. Um, anyway, we ended, up, we ended up going on a date and then, you know, now we're married. Um, <laughs> again, not saying that's going to happen for you, but it did for me, um, and I'm grateful for that. And, and like, we have a sober relationship where like, we talk about things, and like, I really like him, and he really, li and like, I don't, I like, I've never cheated on him. Like, it's like, that was like the, one of the first times that had ever happened. <laughs> because like, I always felt so unlovable and unworthy, and so like, I was always looking for some outside validation. And like now that I know my self-worth and my validation comes from really God, but from within, like I'm able to be in a partnership with somebody else. Um, and as a result of that, I sort of mentioned already, we, we have two amazing kids. You know, like we had, we had one kid, the pandemic hit, we were stuck in a small apartment together. And I was like, wow, I really like you. Let's have another kid. <laughs> and he was like, okay, sure, yeah, let's do it. Um, and uh, you know that those two babies of mine—they're not babies anymore. They're four and two, but they are amazing. Like it's amazing. I get to show up and be a sober mom and be present for them, like, and be in their lives. You know, it's it's really crazy. Like my my daughter is four, and there's a lot of like parents in her school who are drunk all the time. And I'm like, and, I'm, and I know I can't like, I'm not diagnosing anybody else, but I'm, and like, I don't know what their path is and, and whatever, but I'm like, I'm like, hey, hi, how you doing? I'm sober. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> then they stop calling me for playdates with my kid. But, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I, see, I see how that can, I'll just, I'll keep it to myself. Like, I, I can show, I show up for my children and, and they know that they're loved and um, you know, it, it's I'm not I'm not passing on that that dysfunction the same way that it was passed on to me because I I knew when I was a kid and my father was drunk like I knew, um, and it was familiar. So uh, I was getting ready to come here, and, and my daughter goes, "Wow, mommy, you look beautiful. Can I do your makeup?" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, no, thank you." <laughs> um, so I I know that I have a little bit of 
time left, I think, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that because I think that's that's all that I have for tonight. So thank you for letting me be of service.